We're going through the series talking about a field guide for living in an insane world. What does it look like to be able to navigate through all the complexities, all the things that we face, all the difficulties, all the challenges, all the, all, all the stuff in our world? How do we stay faithful as Christians? How do we be able to make it through a world that is crazy? How do we be able to have answers to the questions and, and be able to endure through difficulty and confusion and influences around us? How do we do all of that? And we, we need a map. We need a compass. We need a guide, and 1 Corinthians is a great letter that helps us do that because this church in Corinth was really going through a lot of the same stuff. And part of what makes it difficult to navigate through an insane world, and I feel like this picture even helps demonstrate a little bit of that, but is there is so much information. We are just inundated with constant information all the time. This is a, an estimated graph. It goes to 2025, and I think it was made in 2018. But this is how many volumes of data are created, captured, copied, consumed worldwide in zettabytes, which you didn't know, maybe some of you did, that that's how information was measured, but now you can use that. You can sound really smart when someone's you know, texting you too long of a, a text. You can be like, so many zettabytes, bro, just stop. So much zeta. But look at how much it's increased, even from 2010, all the way now to what would be projected next year. Look at how exponentially it is increasing, the amount of zettabytes that we are consuming. Another helpful uh, just quote of information says, scientists have measured the amount of data that enter the brain and found that an average person living today processes as much as 74 gigabytes in information every day. That's as much as watching 16 movies. Some of you, maybe if you already are watching 16 movies, then you're actually taking in 32, uh, whatever, Zeta things, through, uh, through TV, computers, cell phones, tablets, billboards, and many other gadgets that you are downloading into your brain 74 gigabytes of information every day. We do live in an insane world, and so it's hard to navigate. I mean, really, if you're taking in 16 movies of information every day, I mean, that's hard to navigate through the complexities of this world. I always find this quote helpful from T.S. Eliot. He says, where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where's the knowledge we've lost in information? We live in an insane world, and part of what makes it difficult is there is so much information, but we want to have wisdom. We want to have wisdom. You want wisdom as you are trying to navigate through this world, as you're trying to navigate through your life. You want wisdom. You want wisdom for your job and for financial decisions and for parenting decisions and marriage choices and navigation. You want wisdom with how to raise your kids and wisdoms and relationships and ethical choices that you're trying to make. We want wisdom. There's probably a lot of places, but there's an area in your life right now where you feel like, man, I need wisdom in this area of my life. And if we have wisdom, we can sift through a lot of those zettabytes. If we have wisdom, we can know how to categorize things. If we have wisdom, it isn't just knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to know what is true, but also how to apply and how to live out what is true. If we have wisdom, we can with confidence walk down this zettabyte street. But we need wisdom, and it is difficult 
to have. It's hard to have wisdom. There's mistakes that we've made in our life, and we're afraid of maybe making uh, other mistakes. There's times that we question, is what I know right? Is what I think right? It's also hard to have wisdom just because there's so many distractions. How do you have wisdom when there's 16 movies coming at you every day? We're distracted. Sometimes we just don't have time to actually sit down and think and process and, and be able to think about how to navigate. It is difficult, though we need it. We want wisdom, but it is challenging. And maybe for some of you, you're not even thinking about wisdom. You're just kind of living through your life, and there's constant floods of information, just trying to do what is right and do how much you know uh, what is best. You might, might not be thinking about, am I living wisely? Some of you maybe know you really do need wisdom. You know you face difficult things and complex things and know your need. You feel that need. Some of you maybe have attempted to live with wisdom, and yet the wisdom that you've chosen hasn't really worked out, and you want something better. Maybe even some of you aren't Christians or exploring, and that's a part of what maybe is drawing you to Christianity is, okay, is there a different kind of wisdom that maybe I need? We want wisdom. We want to be able to live with wisdom, but it is difficult. So how do we get wisdom? How do we live with wisdom? That's what we're going to explore. I'm going to read this whole uh, section, and then we'll go through it. Here's what Paul says. He says, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. That was his focus, and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature. He's not saying he's stupid when he says he doesn't come in wisdom. He's saying there's a different kind of wisdom. We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom, in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, Jesus. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now, God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except his Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 
how do we live with wisdom, especially when we consider all the information around us? And to explore that, let's answer a few of these questions that will help us. The first is, why is it hard to have wisdom? Why is it hard to have wisdom? And to think about that, just think about your life and where you feel like you need wisdom. Where are you trying to decide things? Where are you trying to listen and evaluate? Where are you trying to maybe pick a side? Or what choices do you face that are difficult? What ethical decisions, relational decisions? Where do you feel you need wisdom? Why is it so hard? Why is it so confusing? And what Paul tells us, and really throughout the Bible, the Bible's consistent warning or consistent uh, reality check for us that makes wisdom difficult is that there are two kinds of wisdom. And you saw that all throughout that passage that we just read, that there is, and this is just one part of it, but that there is God's wisdom. There is a version of wisdom that is God's wisdom. But there is also the world's wisdom. There is the wisdom of this age. There is a wisdom that the rulers of this age operate in. There is human wisdom. And it wouldn't be called wisdom if it didn't sound good. It means when people hear it, when they are exposed to it, it sounds wise. The rulers of the world, those in power, those in authority, those in positions of influence, that is their wisdom. Human wisdom. The rulers of this age the wisdom of this age, and then God's wisdom. If there are two different versions of wisdom, that makes it difficult. If there was two different versions of arithmetic, that would make it difficult to know, well, which one do I choose? Is two t- plus two four, or is two jababa two blah, blah, blah? I know that sounds weird, right? But if, if there was two different versions and two different textbooks and two different schools of thought and two different teachers, that would make it hard and complicated. How do I solve this problem? That's one of the beauties of math. There's one way to do it, or at least one answer. There might be different ways to do it, but there's one answer. Two different kinds of wisdom. They are both available to us. There's easy access to both of them. And the world's wisdom does not get God's wisdom. It doesn't get God's wisdom. So Why is wisdom hard? Because there's two different kinds of wisdom available to us, and the world's wisdom doesn't get God's wisdom. It doesn't understand it. That's what he says. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom. It's foolishness to them. They're not able to understand it. When the world looks at God's wisdom, they say, this doesn't make any sense. They can't comprehend it. It seems completely foolish. They can't understand it, and they think it's dumb, And Paul is saying, if they really knew, they wouldn't have killed Jesus, who is the embodiment of God's wisdom. He is the one that brings God's wisdom, God's wisdom displayed in Jesus and on the cross. So if they knew God's wisdom, they never would have done that. The world does not understand God's wisdom. They look at God's wisdom and think that it is foolish. They think it's dumb. What's wisdom trying to do? trying to answer different questions. How do you live? What do you do here? Wisdom is trying to answer questions. Think about the kinds of questions that we are trying to answer, that our world is trying to answer. It's questions on what's good for kids and how do you raise kids? 
There's questions on what is gender, and what is marriage, and how does it best flourish, and how does it best work, and what's good for society, and what is kindness, and what does it look like to have a functioning, flourishing society? What does it mean to love your neighbor? Who is Jesus? What is wrong with this world? What is happiness? What will lead to more human flourishing? All those kinds of things are the kinds of things that wisdom is trying to answer. But the world doesn't get God's wisdom. It doesn't make any sense to them. They have a version of wisdom. You've seen, you've seen these. Maybe you have one. You've seen these signs around. And I'm not going to go super in-depth into each of these things. We did a series that covers some of these things uh, we, back in the summer, if you want to go uh, listen to it. But what I think is helpful to understand is this is a snapshot, not the totality, but this is a snapshot of the world's wisdom. And it is stated like a creed, just like in the church. We confess creeds. We're not a super traditional church, but in traditional churches, they rehearse the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. It starts with, we believe. And this is the world's wisdom. And couldn't understand the world can't understand why if you're a Christian, some of these things, you might say, I don't know, there's, there might be a problem with that. Now listen, at face value, none of those statements is bad. At face value, every single one of those statements is just self-evident. Love is love. Well, yes, one is one. Donut is donut. Like those things just, that, of course, like those things just are obvious, you know. So at face value, none of those things are crazy or, or weird, but the, but the philosophy behind them, the wisdom behind them, what they are talking about, what they are communicating, is the world's wisdom. And the world can't understand why a Christian or why the church would question any of those things. Why would we be against love? Why would we be against human rights? Why would we be against things that are real? Why would we not think that kindness is everything? Why would we be against any of those things? Why would the underlying assumptions be things that we might have a problem with? The world, what all I'm trying to show you, I know that you know, this is, these are such complex issues that I'm not trying to just uh, dismiss all of these without getting into it. I'm just trying to say this is a snapshot of the world's wisdom, and they can't understand why, why wouldn't every yard have one of these? They don't get it. They don't understand. And if, maybe if you're not a Christian, you're exploring, you go, yeah, I don't understand. I don't get why this isn't just self-evident. The world's wisdom does not understand God's wisdom. That's what Paul is saying. There are two different kinds of wisdom. They're readily available to us. They seem plausible. They seem good. And the world doesn't get God's wisdom. It seems backwoods. It seems outdated. It seems crazy. It seems foolish. It seems nonsensical. It doesn't make sense. And if you're a Christian, you do not make sense, your beliefs, to the world. The more consistent your beliefs are with the Bible, you will be considered a fool. That's what Paul is saying here. And it was true for them, and it's true for us. Which, really, if there is no God, if, if this is not his word, then, yeah, then we are stupid. 
the, some of the things that you believe are ridiculous. If there is no personal God, if there's no Jesus, if this is not his word, then yeah, a lot of the things you believe are totally preposterous. Haven't you had sixth grade, let me just scan there. Haven't you had sixth grade, uh, you know, education on the birds and the bees? But you think that the Virgin Mary had a baby? You're stupid. That's like there's just some basic things in the Bible that are our core beliefs that we confess that are considered to be totally ridiculous. And that is true. It's against human wisdom. If there's no personal God, if Jesus isn't who he says he is, if the Bible isn't who he, what it says it is. So wisdom is hard because there are two different kinds of wisdom. And the world doesn't get God's wisdom. It doesn't get it. It doesn't understand it. It makes no sense. And on top of that, we, as Christians, are drawn to the world's wisdom. We are drawn to it. That's where Paul says in his opening that I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. And he says, I did not come with persuasive words of wisdom. But what he's saying is that's what they're used to. And it was weird to them that that's not the way that Paul came. They are used to a wisdom that is brilliant, a wisdom that is persuasive and has good arguments and is logical, and that's not the exact way that he came. But that is showing that this is what we are drawn to. We're drawn to the persuasive words. We're drawn to the brilliance. We're drawn to the logic and the, oh yeah, that just totally makes sense. We are drawn to, just as they were, which is why he's having to kind of counter this, we are drawn to the world's wisdom. That's what we're drawn to. It sounds good. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to write this whole chapter. If, they, if there was God's wisdom and the world's wisdom, and every Christian just said, oh yeah, of course, God's wisdom, then Paul would just say, remember, there's God's wisdom, the world's wisdom, let's move on. But he, doesn't have to, he, he has to do more than that because they are getting sucked into it, just as we do. We are drawn to the world's wisdom. It's hard to have wisdom because there's two different kinds. The world's wisdom is hostile to God's wisdom. And as Christians, we are often tempted and drawn to the world's wisdom. Why? Because we live here. We're humans. And we live in a world that is communicating zeta bytes, constant 16 hours of movie of their wisdom. So of course it's hard. If you live in a world that's constantly communicating its wisdom to you, of course it's difficult. Of course it's challenging. We're raised with the world's wisdom. Popular opinion is the world's wisdom. Studies are the world's wisdom. Celebrity-endorsed things are the world's wisdom. We live in a world that is communicating constantly, zetabyte after zetabyte of information, movie after movie of information. And so, of course, we're drawn. Of course, we're persuaded. Of course, it is challenging and difficult, which means even as a Christian, there are Christian beliefs that to us as Christians can start to seem, uh, maybe that's not true. They're Christian. If you live in a world that's constantly flooding you with its wisdom, what that means is there are Christian beliefs that even for Christians, we start to say, I don't know, maybe that's not good. And so we start saying things when we read the Bible, like, well, maybe that was just their culture, that was then, this is now. 
Well, my mom told me, well, I googled this, and it said what the Bible really meant or what Christians actually believe. We start saying, did God really say? A throwback to the serpent in Eden. We are drawn to the world's wisdom, which means it becomes harder and harder, even for Christians, to accept the plausibility of the Bible's ethics, the Bible's worldview, the Bible's guidance, what the Bible says creation is for, what the Bible says the problem is for humanity, what the Bible says human flourishing is, what the Bible says our lives should look like and what wisdom is. If you live with how many of those 16 hours of movies, how many of those Zetabytes do you think is God's wisdom being communicated to us? So if you live where most everything is human wisdom, it becomes very challenging, even for Christians, to think that God's wisdom is true, which is why it's hard to actually have wisdom. There's two different kinds. The world's wisdom doesn't get God's wisdom, and we are drawn to the world's wisdom. Even just think about for you. What seems hard to accept that is from the Bible? What seems hard to actually say, yeah, totally? What seems like you're maybe kind of embarrassed of or have to apologize for or have to, uh, I don't know, could I make this sound a little better? What seems like that for you? Where are you drawn to some of the teachings that the world is giving to us? Who are you being taught by and influenced by and led by? It's hard to have wisdom when we live in a world that is inundating us with the opposite. And that is wise and normal. So here's what this means on this point. Don't be impressed by the world's wisdom. Paul is saying there's two different kinds, and this one is against God. So don't be impressed by the world's wisdom. Don't try to take your beliefs. Don't try to take the Bible's beliefs. Don't try to take Christian beliefs and see how you can somehow fit it into the world's wisdom. Don't try to take God's wisdom and say, I'm going to judge God's wisdom by the world's wisdom, and if this is out of line with the world's wisdom, then I've got to change this. It's the opposite. We take God's wisdom and say, okay, here's what the world says is wisdom. Let's see if it actually fits or not. But so often we go the other way and say, okay, this is real wisdom, but let's see if this fits. And if not, i got to shave the edges off. i got to polish it up a little bit. i got to make it seem a little nicer. Don't do that. You will miss out on God's wisdom. When God warns us that there's two different kinds of wisdom and that the rulers, the best of human wisdom said, let's kill Jesus. The best of human wisdom said, let's kill the Lord of glory. The best of human wisdom said, let's do that. When God warns us, it's because he loves us. He's saying, listen, I want, I want wisdom for you. But you have to understand that there's different tension pulling you away. He wants the joy and the strength, the peace, the health that comes from real wisdom. So he warns us. So, that's why it's hard. How do we get wisdom then? It is hard to navigate. 
It's hard to have wisdom. How do we get wisdom when there is God's wisdom and the world's wisdom and they're at war? How do we get wisdom? Paul, by the way, is setting this letter up in a lot of ways for things that are to come, which is why if this sounds similar to things from last week, which were about pride and boasting and how the world's wisdom is about pride, or the week before, which is about the world's values and God's values, or yes, they are all similar. So if you come here, you're like, man, this is the same sermon again. That's not my fault. It's Paul's fault. And he is setting up for different issues that he's going to speak into and address because this is foundational to know where are you, what are you actually buying into? How are you actually even deciding or governing your life? How do we get wisdom? How can we say that it's God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom as if we know the mind of God? Isn't that arrogant to say? It's God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. Oh, so you're saying that you know God's wisdom? Well, that's convenient. Doesn't that sound arrogant? Doesn't that sound prideful? How can you say you have God's wisdom? Isn't that what tyrants do? Isn't that what cult leaders do? Say, I've got God's wisdom, and I'm judging everything by that. How can we have God's wisdom? Don't we all have different ideas and different perspectives? And don't we all have different kind of versions of the same truth? Aren't you trying to put God in a box when you say you've got God's wisdom, and it's only here? And The reality is that that's true. It, it is arrogant to claim that you have God's wisdom unless God says, I give you my wisdom. It is arrogant to think that we could know the mind of God. It is arrogant to think that we could know what God thinks about something unless God actually reveals himself to us. Sometimes people will say, sometimes the world's wisdom and the human voices and the rulers of this age will say do you really think you know the mind of God? Do you really think God cares about fill in the blank? Do you really think God cares what people do in their own space, in their own time? Do you really think God cares about this? Do you really think... It would be stupid to think that we could know what God thinks. Unless God says, let me reveal myself to you. Let me show myself to you. How do we get wisdom? God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Saying, yeah, no one can know the mind of God. No one can know the thoughts of God. No one can know God at all. Only the Holy Spirit knows God's thoughts. But God is revealing himself. He is showing himself. This is true in normal life, right? You can't know another person unless they reveal themselves to you. You can't know another person unless they say, let me tell you more about me. Sometimes we even say that about people. Ah, they're really guarded, or it's really hard to get to know. What do we mean? We mean they're not revealing themselves to us. Sometimes we might say about, uh, to another person, you don't know my thoughts. Only I know my thoughts. True. If you've ever thought or said in a sassy moment, you don't know me, that's what God says. God says, only my spirit knows me. But I am showing you who I am. I am revealing myself to you, which is what it always takes to have any form of relationship. That's what it always takes 
if there's someone that wants to relate to another person in love. Real love always reveals itself. Otherwise, there's no love. Real love says, here's who I am. I'm showing you who I am so you can know me, so that we can know one another, which is what it takes to have love. Which is why if somebody says, I remember talking to a woman once that said, I don't believe in God, but I believe in loving forces in the universe. Like, well, those aren't actually love because genuine love has to say, here's who I am. Genuine love is always personal. The wind doesn't love me. Forces don't love me. If it hasn't revealed itself to me and said, here's who I am, that's not love. No one would believe that about another human being. Oh, yeah, me and that person, we love one another. Has they ever told you about themselves? No. But I just, I just know we're connected. Uh, that's called stalking, right? <laughs> Real love says, here's who I am, and invites you in. That's why only in the God of the Bible do we see genuine, real love. If you believe in a God of love, the only person that you can find that in is the God of the Bible, who says, I want you to know me. I want you to know me so much that I'll actually take on human flesh and enter this world. I want you to know me, and I invite you to enter in with me. Real love, that's, all, that's what real love on a human level always does, and God does it. He shares his heart. He shares his mind. He shares the depths of who he is. Think about how amazing that is. Only someone's spirit knows the depths of who they are. And God says, and yes, I will give you my spirit. I want you to know. God says to you, I want you to know the depths of me. I want you to know who I am. I invite you in to see me. Only God does that, and he does for you. You can know him. You can be close to him. You can receive his wisdom and all that he is. How do you get wisdom? Well, God reveals himself to us, but how do we get that? To get the best of wisdom, we normally have to pay. If you ever go to a blog or something and you read it, but the, the best stuff is behind the paywall. If you really want, you can read some financial guru's advice or some business guru or health guru. You can read their stuff, but if you really want it, you've got to pay. You've got to sign up for the coaching program, sign up for the subscription, buy the ebook or whatever, right? You've got to pay to get the real access. If you really want somebody and their wisdom, we have to pay. And at times, we are told something similar with God and Christianity. Well, if you really want to know God's wisdom, there's some things that you have to walk through. There's some things you have to do. You need to take a, a pilgrimage. You really want to know God's wisdom, you've got to be able to go through these hoops. If you really want to know God's wisdom, you've got to go on a crazy drug trip and see visions of God. If you really want to know God's wisdom, you've got to whatever, all sorts of things that maybe you have to do. Paul says, no, you don't have to earn it, and there's no room to boast about all the things that you did to get God's wisdom. God gives it to you freely. God has prepared these things for those who love him. God has prepared his wisdom, and he freely 
gives it. We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. You want God's wisdom? There's not a bunch of things that you have to do to get it. He freely gives it. He says, you want God's wisdom? It comes as God reveals himself. And how do you get God to reveal himself? He does it freely. He doesn't hold back. He does it freely for you, not to a special class of people, not only through some special teacher that you have to get access to, not behind some paywall, subscription service, pilgrimage. God freely gives himself the revelation of who he is to you. We receive it by his spirit, which is why Paul says at the beginning, it doesn't come through the power of the preacher. Paul says, listen, I didn't come with this brilliant speech and I didn't come with, you know, this preaching that was all this persuasive words and, but it was the spirit's power because God wants it to be based on, not on human wisdom, but on God's power. Because if it was based on, well, the reason I have God's wisdom is because of the excellence of this amazing preacher. And they were so used to all this, you know, rhetoric, fanciness, and all this kind of style and and different um, ways of communicating. And Paul says, I came, I came just telling you what God's word says. And the Holy Spirit took that in power and showed you God's wisdom. Now, that doesn't mean Paul was stupid. Paul was brilliant. Later, when Paul's on trial, they even say to him, Paul, I think it maybe is because of your great learning that you're going insane because of how much he was into Christianity. So it's not that Paul was stupid. He was highly educated. If you read Paul's letters, you don't go, this guy's clearly dumb. You don't think that. There's beautiful poetry. There's beautiful sarcasm. There's beautiful structuring in his letters. So it's not that Paul's stupid. It's not that he doesn't know how to use words. So that's not what Paul's point is, if you take that away from that. And that all a preacher has to do is just go, Jesus, the end. That's not what he's saying. Obviously, look at all the words he's using even to describe. But he's saying it's not about the style. It is about the substance. It isn't about all of this flair. It's not about lights and smoke and looking cool and being cool. And Paul says, look, I'm, I'm just, I am telling you about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit does something with that. And if you have to dress that up and paint that up and make it look amazing and try to colorize it and try to, by, by his persona, make it something, then the way that you would get wisdom would have to be, well, I need that. That's how wisdom will come. It's got to come through the, the flair. It's got to come through the style. Paul says, no. The way you get wisdom is by the power of the Holy Spirit focusing you on Jesus, which is why Paul says, I, I, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I am telling you about a crucified Savior. That's what I'm giving to you. I'm telling you about Jesus crucified. That's my wisdom. And if that's how you get wisdom is by God revealing himself God freely giving to you. That just shows it, it's not based in any other thing. So how do you get wisdom? You get it as God reveals himself 
freely given, and he gives you then the mind of Christ. He gives you his own mind. God is saying, I'm going to open myself and reveal myself to you freely. You don't have to do anything extra special. And as I open myself and freely give myself to you, you now have the mind of Christ. That's how you get wisdom. Now think about that phrase. Imagine getting the mind of someone great. If somehow you could get Einstein's mind. Somehow you could get, I don't know, uh, Dave Ramsey's mind, if your finances are out of whack and you're like, man, if I could get Dave, if Dave Ramsey could just be like, and just import his brain into mine, oh, then I could figure out my finances. Or if you could get, maybe not Dave Ramsey, Gordon Ramsey, maybe you're not very good in the kitchen, if Gordon Ramsey could give you his mind, and then all of a sudden, maybe not his mouth, but he could give you his mind, then you'd be like, oh man, I finally, I would know how to do this stuff. Or if the best in whatever field or whatever profession or whatever, you know, per, if they could give you their mind, wouldn't that be amazing? Elon Musk is working on it. But if they could give you their mind and you could have a brain chip, you know, and you could actually have their mind, that would be an amazing thing. And he says, the way you get wisdom is God reveals who he is to you. He freely gives himself to you all the way to the level that because the Holy Spirit indwells you, you now have his mind. What is his mind? Well, what Paul's talking about here, God is wise, obviously, in many ways, but when Paul is talking, what's he saying here and about, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified is to say, the mind of God and God's wisdom is centered on and the ultimate expression of it is found in the cross. That's what the whole passage is about. The human wisdom didn't get the cross. God's wisdom, his mystery revealed is God's plan on the cross of what he was doing in Jesus. So when you have the mind of Christ, it's a cruciform, which means Christ or crossed, a cross-formed mind. That's the mind that he gives to you. When you look at the cross, you see God's wisdom. And that's the mind he gives you. When you look at the cross, you see a wisdom of grace and mercy. You see a wisdom of self-giving love. You see a wisdom of humility. You see a wisdom of service. You see a wisdom of power. You see a wisdom of victory over death, Satan, sin. You see a wisdom of God freely giving to those that don't deserve it. That's the wisdom you see. And he gives you that mind, which then affects all of our relationships. It affects all of our living. Okay, if that's the core, if that's the sun of wisdom, what are the rays that come from it? If that's the foundation of wisdom, if looking at Jesus crucified on the cross is wisdom, then how would that affect all these other things that I'm doing? How would it affect my life and my choices? And if I see the cross as God's wisdom, it begins to change all of our wisdom begins to change how we evaluate things. It begins to change our trust of God. It begins to change our confidence in God. It begins to change our understanding of what it means to give instead of to hang on. Jesus even saying, you want to hang on to your life, you actually lose it. Well, the cross is that kind of wisdom. So often in our life, we're trying to hang on, hang on, hang on, self, self, self. The cross shows us a wisdom that is self-giving, 
A wisdom that says life comes actually as you give yourself. The cross shows all sorts of wisdom. It is the son of God's wisdom that every ray comes from. He gives you his mind. Which means when you ask God, I want wisdom. He says, come see me on the cross. I want your wisdom. He says, come look at the core of my wisdom. Let me teach you. Let's start here. I want you to know me. I want you to worship me. I want you to see what I've done for you. That's where wisdom begins. You won't have wisdom if you don't understand that the cross is the center of God's wisdom. How do we get wisdom? He reveals himself. He invites us in love to know him. Freely gives us his mind so that all of our choices and decisions and navigation is structured through the cross. What a gift. Final thing. How do we use this wisdom then? We need wisdom. It's difficult to have because there's so many different sources and we're drawn to the world's wisdom. God gives us this wisdom, but how do we use it? It's available to us, but how do we actually use it? As you're trying to decide things and think through things, how do we use that wisdom? Sometimes when we are trying to get wisdom, we think we have to beg God. I know many times that I've felt this way of just, God, please, I need wisdom. God, please, 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 God, would you give me wisdom? We think we have to beg God as if finally he'll just say, fine, I guess, here's some wisdom, poof. That's not the picture we get in the Bible. God loves to give his wisdom. He wants us to be wise. It's not like he wants us to be dumb, and if we beg him hard enough, he'll let you be wise. He's a giving God. We think we have to beg him, or maybe you think you have to discover certain signs. God's wisdom is found in a scavenger hunt. God, I need wisdom. Ah, okay, I saw this thing, and that must be your wisdom leading me here. God, I need wisdom. Ah, this thing opened up. This conversation happened. This text happened. I saw this commercial. I saw this truck drive by. I saw this billboard. This person said this. This Ah, an open door. Where one door opens, another door closes. Or whatever. I don't know. We think that that's how God's wisdom works. We think we have to beg him, or we think that he gives us his wisdom in Easter eggs. That's not how God's wisdom works. God wants you to be wise. He wants you to be wise. He loves to give wisdom. He freely gives it. He takes the initiative to reveal his wisdom. So how do we use it? And here's what Paul says. You want it? You want to know how to use it? You're looking for wisdom. You're trying to decide things. You want God's wisdom in your life, your relationships. How do you use it? Paul says that we need to listen. Look what he says. He says that he speaks wisdom from the Holy Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. And then again, the spiritual person can evaluate everything, understand everything, and test things, and discern things. So this is key because sometimes we might think, well, I've got God's wisdom so I don't need anybody else. I've got God's wisdom, 
So I don't need the Bible, maybe. We, might, we probably wouldn't say that, but that's kind of how we operate. I don't need other people. I've got God's wisdom. I don't need God's word. The, I'll just kind of feel the right thing to do. That's not what Paul says. He says, God freely gives his wisdom. He wants you to have it. He reveals who he is to you. He gives you his mind, but that comes particularly as the word of God is explained to us, taught to us. That's why Paul, even talking about all this human wisdom and all this stuff, we might think that the conclusion to that is, therefore, I just kind of sit and God downloads wisdom into me. He says, no, I am explaining, teaching, preaching spiritual things, spiritual things revealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you want to hear from the Holy Spirit? I tell people this all the time. Oftentimes people think the way to hear from the Holy Spirit is to do this. But the Holy Spirit wrote a book. You want to hear from the Holy Spirit, you listen. Paul says, I'm explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. And then you are able to evaluate. So your mind is still engaged. You're able to evaluate. You're able to discern. You're able to go, is that good? Is that bad? You're able to judge things. You're able to do that as spiritual things are explained to you. So here's what the Holy Spirit does. He enables your heart to receive. He enables your heart to say, God is awesome. He shows you the core of God's wisdom on the cross and opens your eyes to say, that is wisdom. God is good. He enables that reality. But if you want to access that, you have to set aside the worldly influences that have gotten into us. Which is why... And next week, we'll see that Paul even rebukes them for being immature and not operating as spiritual people. They are spiritual people because they're Christians and God has given them this ability, but they're not using it. They're still operating in the world's wisdom. So if you want to use God's wisdom, the Holy Spirit has enabled and empowered the possibility. But you have to say, I need to set aside the world's influences, the part of me that wants human wisdom and what the world wants. I need to start. You can't begin wisdom if you don't start here. I know that God is good. I trust him. I see his character on the cross. I see that he is the wise one. I see that what he says is good. A genuine desire to come and listen to him. And then actually receiving his word taught and explained. Humbly receiving, understanding, and then evaluating things. So is that how you use wisdom? That's how Paul tells us to use wisdom. Is that how you use wisdom? Or do sometimes you have a critical posture, meaning you hear what God says, but like, "Ah, I'm not sure, suspicious of that, judging it by human wisdom. Do you come actually wanting to know what God says? Or do you come with a heart that's like, I'm not really sure I actually want to know what God says, I'd rather just say, yeah, but that, that I'm, I'm starting with dismissal. Or do you start with a posture that says, I trust God and his wisdom, and now I want to hear and have his word explained so that I get it and can evaluate everything else. 
That's how you use wisdom. We listen to him. We trust him. We open the Bible. We hear his word explained and taught. I'm not saying you can't get wisdom by yourself, but Paul is saying specifically here that he is explaining God's wisdom to people, preaching God's wisdom to people. That's why this is valuable, one of the reasons. God loves to give us wisdom. This is how we use his wisdom. We all want wisdom. There's zettabytes and zettabytes of information out there that can be hard to navigate through everything. It can be hard to discern. But imagine if you could live with more of God's wisdom. Imagine if you could live with God's wisdom in your family, in your marriage, in your job, in all your choices. The fruit of God's wisdom is a life that is strong. The fruit of God's wisdom is a life that endures. The fruit of God's wisdom is a life that is beautiful. The fruit of God's wisdom is a life that's a blessing to other people. That's the fruit of God's wisdom. And that's what he freely gives to us. When we take communion, we're remembering once again the core, the sun, the source, the foundation from which God's wisdom shines, from which we build a life of wisdom upon. His body broken, his blood shed on the cross. That's what we remember when we take communion. If you're a Christian and you didn't grab a cup on the way in, make sure to grab one of those. But for Christians, we take communion and we say, this, let this be the core of my life. Your forgiveness, cleansing my sin, your wisdom being the source of my life. That's where we want to build from. So as you take communion, I would encourage you to confess where you've bought into the world's wisdom. Encourage you to be reminded that this is the revelation of how good and how wise God is. Thank him and ask that you would be able to live with wisdom in all your choices and all your decisions, seeing that as the shining core. Let us pray, and then we'll respond in a few songs. I'll be in the back also if anyone would like prayer. God, I thank you that you give your wisdom to us freely, that you show us your great wisdom on the cross. We see your grace, your mercy, your humility, your love, your service, your power. Let us take in your wisdom, live by your wisdom not the world's. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.